it's gonna be dry for about 30 minutes, at least according to the weather forecast, which means I can sneak out really quickly and walk and record an episode of the walk. So welcome, and I am uh, a bit encumbered by (laughs) several things. One, I have to take my umbrella because I'm pretty sure that I will need it later during this walk. And in my right hand, I'm also holding my bike, uh, which I have to bring to the bike repair shop because um, I had an incident with it last week, last Sunday. I was uh, about to go to Mass across the road here. And uh, we just had a, a storm. So on the pavement, there were a lot of these uh, small branches of trees that had broken off. And I accidentally drove over one of them, which got stuck then in the rear wheel. And it uh, dislodged the, um, uh, what you call that? The, the, the cable that um, kind of drives the, the movement from the pedals to the wheel. I'm not sure what the technical term is, but you get my gist. So that dislodged it. It's still attached to the wheel, but I, uh, whenever I step on it, I'm afraid that it's going to break because it's only like half on it or something. It's something I can't fix because this is a very new bike. So it's a new system with, uh, it's actually, I think, uh, kind of a, a more of a plastic material. It's very strong or carbon or something. No, it can't be carbon. I don't know what it is. But anyway, this is nothing like bikes I've had in the past. So I need to bring this to the specialist. And there happens to be a bike repair shop in Wageningen. Um, which is about a half hour walk from here. Well, actually a little bit longer. I think it's like 45 minutes from here. Um, And they just repaired my bike um, two weeks ago. So I'm going to go back there and hopefully they can fix it right away. If not, I'll leave it overnight and I'll have to walk back. But I'm hoping that they will be able to, um, to help me ride there. So then I can take the bike back home which will save me some time. (laughs) Hey, what are we going to talk about today? Well, um, I would like to give you a general health update. Um, I never know exactly what I've shared with you or not. Um, I had some some questions as well from from listeners about a number of topics, so I want to address that. And I would like to talk about um, one major topic that I think we, we all struggle with from time to time. In my case, it's more of a systemic problem, and that is the uh, the quest or the the challenge, I should say, to finish projects. Not just beginning them, but also finishing them before you move on to something new. And you you can probably already guess that it also has to do with my more recent discoveries when it comes to ADHD symptoms. Um, but hopefully this will not just useful for for me um, and for other people that are um, neurodivergent, but uh, for anyone who is listening. By the way, in case you're not familiar with neuro, neurodivergent, like there's um, 
a, a division between like neurotypical people. What a word, neurotypical people. Uh-oh, it's starting to rain again. Yes, hold on. Let me park my bike here <laughs> and open my umbrella. Well, this is gonna be even worse because now there's gonna be wind. I'm gonna hold the bike, hold the umbrella, hold the microphone. I need a second pair of arms. There we go, so that's the umbrella. Now I can probably, hmm, how am I going to do this? Well, you know what? I'm going to put the umbrella and the microphone in one hand. Hopefully that won't cause the microphone to to bump into the, to the umbrella, to the handle of the umbrella. So neurotypical is what, nor, well, normal people are. But of course, normal, it's a, <laughs> that's a relative term. Um, and neurodivergent people is people that diverge from the neurological norms, you could say. People whose brains are slightly different from uh, the brains uh, uh, of the majority. And so people that have, uh, for instance, ADHD or Asperger, uh, autism. It's what they call the people that are on the spectrum. Um, because it's a, it's a kind of a, a scale, you know. Not everyone has exactly the same... The same symptoms and it doesn't work out exactly in the same way but they're all on this spectrum that is slightly divergent from uh, from from let's say the general state of mankind humanity or whatever <laughs> anyway so um, well let's start with the uh, the the health update and get that out of the way so um, I'm, I'm work whoop I'm now walking on my walking shoes uh, these relatively new walking shoes I think I only used them once before and that was when I was stu- still uh, preparing for the the walk of the world this four day walking event in the town of Nijmegen and uh, maybe you recall that I had to cancel that because these shoes were causing so much pain and at the time I still thought it was due to me not having picked the right shoes but of course, it turned out to be a much more uh, serious problem, in a sense that my feet, like the middle part of my feet, so that's where you normally have that cavity, that had collapsed. <laughs> it sounds very dramatical, dramatic, and so, but it means that the muscles have weakened, and so uh, that puts much more. So your foot doesn't have the same ability to uh, um, to deal with impacts especially if you're doing high intensity sports like I am uh, as, a, as a runner and so I was uh, uh, referred to a uh, pediatrician, something like that or like someone who's an expert in foot problems and um, I got a, a set of soles, like corrective soles that are um, made specifically for me so it took a long time first of all to get an appointment and then to get the soles and then um, I had to get used to the soles so it feels a bit weird it's almost as if if there are like bumps like uh, not really stones in my shoes but I can definitely feel that parts of my foot are being pushed upwards 
So, and, and these soles are a bit rigid. They're not very comfy and soft. So the, um, the doctor uh, uh, told me to try them out in regular shoes for about two and a half weeks. And then I could put them in my walking or in my running shoes. And uh, I could slowly start to train again, which is what I did. And I'm so incredibly grateful that I'm able to do that again. So Friday, last Friday, I went out for a short half-hour run, and I was very glad to to notice that um, I, my form wasn't completely gone. And I think this is mostly thanks to the fact that I've been uh, closing my my movement rings every day. So uh, I I still burnt between 500 and 600 calories by by walking mostly, sometimes biking. Which means that I also um, kept relatively fit. Uh, the second thing is I've been counting my calories for about two weeks now. And I've been uh, uh, focusing a lot on my sleep, as I told you last week. Thanks to the, these little cute Pokemons that are waiting for me the next morning. Uh, I am actually very motivated to go to bed at 11 o'clock. Uh, that's where I'm closing my eyes and it, it totally works so the combination of eating healthy uh, not overeating uh, getting regular sleep and walking every day I think has kept me in, a, in very good shape so after my trial run on Friday I was brave enough to go to my regular training group in on Saturday morning and I loved it. It was so good. Not just because I missed the training, but I missed the group. I missed the social contact with my fellow runners. And it was so good to catch up. It is as if I had never left, but it's been two months since I had my last training. We have um, like an, a community group on WhatsApp. So I still get notified whenever they go for a run or a training or something is happening to the individual members so you do stay in touch but it's very different of course from you know just hanging out with people for two hours you have different conversations well actually you don't have conversations on a message app so that was extremely beneficial but I also knew that it would be um, it would be taxing it would be challenging because when you're running you, you still use different muscles from uh, when you're walking plus it's like a two-hour intense training with lots of intervals so uh, yeah it was um, it was tough I'm hearing ambulances not far away from where I am oh my goodness I have difficulty staying underneath the umbrella <laughs> it rains a lot more than uh, than was predicted that's great my watch is also trying to tell me that uh, it has noticed that I'm on a walk. Let me park my bike here for a second because the rain is now seeping from the from the umbrella in, into my my right arm or the sleeve. Let's see. Let record outdoor walk. Let's do that. Yeah. So that's running. Now I can't really hold the bike and the umbrella at the same time. So well, I'll just get wet. It's just water, it'll dry. <laughs> so I took the rest of the weekend, I took it very 
uh, slow. And I was happy to uh, to have some time for myself or to clean the house. I, as you know, I I am my own my own housekeeper, which means that sometimes you just have to go for a deep clean of the uh, of the various rooms, uh, the bathroom. Always a returning, recurring uh, challenge. <laughs> and I've also been uh, uh, trying to get rid of some clutter, uh, which for someone whose brain is always going from one thing to another is very difficult. It's very hard for me to focus on a pro- uh, like a project that doesn't really yield any rewards. Cleaning up is just, well, okay, you have a clean room. Um, getting rid of clutter whoa this truck just passed me by very yeah there's almost no distance so I got a lot of water from its tires Uh, oh well maybe this wasn't a very good idea to go out for a walk in this weather Um, the uh the clutter that that I don't see that is just in cupboards uh, is even less of an incentive to get rid of. But I've I've uh, discovered um, a, a method to actually push through, and this is something that I had no idea was a thing. You know that every um, Thursday, Inga, uh, our community manager, comes over from where she lives. So she lives still in uh, Amersfoort, where I used to live, um, and that's where we had our office. But now she she travels by uh, a public transport um, once a week, so we can have a like an in-person meeting. And uh, there are often also just practical things that we need to solve, which you can't do over um, over the phone or over uh, over the internet. So. Uh, she told me that actually one of the things that could be helpful is uh, to have a... They, they call this, a, I think, a buddy doubling. Which means that you have someone who is um, present. It's not really someone who helps or does it for you, but someone who is just there so you can focus and um, so one of the one of the things that really needed to be done is to declutter the technology, the the gear that we've been using over the past years to make our productions. So it's audio, it's uh, video, cameras, tripods, cables, lots and lots of cables, but also lights. And as you can imagine, especially in the in the technical field where we are working, um, gear just gets outdated and needs to be replaced. Um, so I had a ton of stuff that I haven't been using for three to four years, and it really needed to be sorted out. But I just couldn't focus on it, and so uh, we tried this out. So Inga was sitting in the room. And I was um, decluttering. And the trick was just to have two piles. One is throw it away, or actually three, one, three piles. 
one, one pile is throwaway, so it's, it's basically broken stuff. And I was surprised how much of <laughs> the gear was just broken and unusable. Um, and and what, what, one of the reasons that I was reluctant to throw things away, maybe this is not just me, is, well, but I paid for this and it, this was expensive. Yeah, but it's broken now. And repairs are either impossible or too expensive. So, yeah, that money is gone, but it will never return if you just keep this in, in your house. So that was one pile. The second pile was um, charity. So it's stuff that might still be useful to someone, just not to us. This could also be, of course, a pile um, to sell on eBay. Uh, but I, had, I have to be... Uh, realistic um, selling something on eBay may yield um, may, may give a little bit of return on the uh, initial investment but that's not guaranteed plus because it's older gear plus uh, it takes a lot of time you have to uh, keep an eye on that yeah first you have to publish it online then you often have to negotiate with potential buyers and then you have to dispatch it that's all time that I can't spend on my work so there's a price there's an invisible price for that that needs to be paid as well so instead much actually the whole the the recycling charity store is right here on my right I just passed by it so I'll put everything that's still usable in uh, some other boxes and I put those at the front door so every day I see that I see the stuff and, and it, it, it continues to annoy me until I find the courage to uh, bring it away. And then the third pile, um, which was surprisingly small, is what are we going to keep? What is still useful or be something that may not be necessary right now, but it is in the foreseeable future. We'll probably have a, t a moment where we are going to use this. So we did that for the equipment and all the cables and stuff. And then uh, this past Thursday, I wanted to uh, continue that because one of my rooms was basically now serving as a, uh, a replacement for the attic or some people a garage. And so everything I couldn't store and I didn't use, I put that in that room. Let's see how, what is it? quickest way to the uh, am I going to cross the road here maybe yes let's do that and then because I think that part of the of the road is under construction so I have to find a shortcut um, so the I, I felt that like I need to uh, conquer that room it needs to be mine again. <laughs> Let's continue this. But it was a much harder room to uh, declutter because it, the, um, the closet contained a lot of photos. I, I'm talking thousands of photos. Most of them were not my photos, but they were taken by my mom, who was an avid photographer. And uh, they're in shoe boxes. Well, you know the, you know the thing, like... Uh, 
photos from my ordination. I don't have like 10 photos, which would be reasonable, no. I have, I think, like 500 photos. Some of them were taken before Mass. Uh, lots of them were taken during the ordination Mass, and then also tons of photos that were taken during the, the uh, subsequent, like the reception, my first Mass, etc. And I, it's like <laughs> two or three shoeboxes full of photos. Um, and that's not the only thing. Because I didn't even um, address those. I had several other boxes full of uh, the drawings that I made. And it's from literally the, like the first drawing I ever made as a one-year-old all the way to seminary and beyond where I would uh, mostly draw comics. And I kept all that including also lots of Star Wars related stuff. So I have a couple of other boxes there with memories from Star Wars conventions where I would have like these photos that were signed by actors. Now, of course, I didn't throw those away, but also a lot of magazines. So I did quite a few interviews in, the, in those days as a, as a Star Wars priest <laughs> because I had a, a pretty popular Star Wars website. Um, and... Uh, especially around the premiere of The Phantom Menace. I got interviewed by Newsweek and uh, Times Magazine and some more specific television-related, movie-related uh, magazines. And I kept copies of all those. Usually they would send me like a couple of copies. And so I've got a ton of stuff like that. Some of it is valuable and a lot of it is just, yeah, that was fun at the time, but... Am I seriously ever going to do something with this? If not, it should go. And I've already, this is just um, the remains of my Star Wars collection because before I moved, I also gave away, I think, 80% of my Star Wars stuff to um, a Belgian organization that redistributed the, the things to uh, children in hospitals. So sick Star Wars fans. So, and I thought that was a really good desti final destination for my, for my Star Wars collection. And I'm so glad that I did that back then, but a lot of the personal stuff, where I, I just didn't have time to scan it in, sort it out, so I just put it in boxes, and now it is time to get rid of that. <clears throat> so the, my, my first plan was to scan everything in, starting with my my drawings the cartoons the children's drawings and that's what I did I uh, hooked up the scanner to my my laptop and I started scanning page after page after page and also tried to document when this drawing was made sometimes that was uh, noted on the back by my mom and in other times I had to really calculate like this has to have been in second grade so that was that year and Ugh. And I got nowhere with that. It took me several days to just scan maybe 1% of the contents of those boxes. And so I decided that it was time for a different approach. And with uh, Inge being present for body doubling, um, I was getting, I was much more radical this time. And the question that I asked myself to make the hard decisions is, other than me, 
is there anyone who um, would enjoy looking at this stuff for who it would have any meaning and of course this, if it's uh, something universal like oh it's a photo with me and uh, Kenny Baker during the Star Wars convention that Kenny Baker is the actor who was inside R2-D2 in a number of films yes of course so some people would really like to see that so I'm not going to throw that away but like all these children's drawings if you if someone else would show you children's drawings of him or her when they were one, two years old or maybe even like the comics that I drew they were always um, parodies on existing comic books so Asterix for instance or the A-Team like I did a whole and I replaced the main characters with my teachers or when I was in seminary with the, the president of the seminary and my fellow students but if you don't know these people that doesn't really... That's really totally uninteresting. Um, and so... I, I asked myself, am I going to scan this in? Is this... Uh, that's going to take weeks. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. So... I threw it all away. <laughs> I didn't bother scanning anything in. And it really helped to be able to double-check with Inge. Like, is this something that you would be interested in in ever, like, watching or seeing? No. The answer was always no. <laughs> um, I could just safely throw it away. And I have to say uh, that that allowed me to get through most of the clutter in that room, except for the photos and some of the Star Wars memorabilia, in one afternoon. And so... I was super encouraged <laughs> to, by that experience, to continue this. Um, and this brings me, slowly brings me to the main topic of what I wanted to share with you, which is uh, the, my tendency to start projects and then abandon them because there's something else that uh, has uh, clamored for my attention. And so I knew very well beginning this process of decluttering that the risk was great that for the next couple of weeks like half of that project would still be cluttering up that room. And I started to do the same. <laughs> so this is a bit of a flaw. I was so uh, happy with the results of that one afternoon that I continued with my uh, bathroom. So I, I always have... I, I, I don't have any storage space in my bathroom. So I have two, a washing machine and a dryer that I use also as a folding table, but that's it. So I have one small cabinet underneath the sink and that has to uh, harbor all my like uh, sunscreen, um, spare toothbrushes, um, shampoo, you name it. Um, uh, what is it, um, uh, like med med medication or really like the, uh, pills uh, when you have diarrhea, I don't know the word, but let me cross the road here. Just stuff that you need from time to time. It's not a good moment to stop in the middle of the road, Father Roderick. But my bag, my shopping bag was falling off the steering wheel. Why is this all of a sudden... 
Not staying put. Oh, it's the wind. All right. I see that there are actually leaves inside the bag. <laughs> it's falls out lots of trees here. And some of those leaves flew straight into my shopping bag. Um, well, we're, we're getting closer. So, um, I, I remembered something I read in a, in a book about cleaning that uh, said you should only keep what you can actually store. So if you have more than you have room for, throw it away, get rid of it. For instance, in the kitchen, if you have so, you have, some people have a ton of pans. I used to be that person, um, but I only have limited room f to store those pans out of sight. And so I got rid of a lot of the older pans that I was no longer using. And I'm much more uh, careful with impulse purchases when it comes to uh, kitchen gear because I know that I won't be able to store it. So that rule is a very nice um, tool for this decluttering process. The, the, the same applies to, um, you know, all the bottles of shampoo. And I had even lots of um, like balm for my feet which was donated to me I never bought that stuff for myself but when people heard that I was going to walk to Santiago they would start to gift me like oh this is huge you put this on your on your feet every evening and then uh, in the morning you'll your feet will be so fresh and healthy and <laughs> Like the thing was like a pound, so I never, I never used it, never brought it along, and I never use it today. So that's been sitting there for when did I walk the Camino? It's like almost 10 years ago, and it's just been cluttering up uh, like this box full of foot, and, and probably most of it is way past the exp expiration date. And the same is true, of course, for. Um, stuff like sunscreen every year uh, that you don't use it up it, it, it won't completely lose it it's uh, uh, how do you say that it's protective values but it will degrade over time and sometimes you just have to throw it away so this rule like I am not going to keep what I can't store um, is going to be my uh, criterion to declutter what, everything that was in the cabinet underneath the sink and then I had a lot of overflow stuff that I put in this other cupboard which is the only real cupboard that I have and I had my liturgical vestments in there and then the Christmas tree is in there and it just was overstuffed my walking gear and so I took all that out and now everything's on the floor now this is the, this is where the problem um, can can truly manifest itself and that is this is going to stay like this for the next five months <laughs> because I won't have the courage or the focus to finish this uh, you remember this this is one scene in uh, the Empire Strikes Back when Luke is with Yoda on Dagobah and he's training to become a Jedi and then Yoda has an, uh, a meeting, a virtual meeting, like a Skype meeting or a, uh, like a Microsoft Teams meeting with the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Yoda is worried 
because he's been observing Luke Skywalker and, and he feels like the boy is always, his mind's always in the future, never in the here and now where he is. And uh, the big question is, will he finish what he begins? Will he ultimately return to finish his Jedi training? If not, he's going to be extremely vulnerable to the dark side because you need to be very strong to face the dark side. Uh-oh. All these big cars are parked here and then tons of bikes are coming from the other side. So there's no pavement for pedestrians, which is very typical for this area. I think that most people are, are, are have cars and pedestrians are always forgotten here. Anyway, uh, what is this? This is the first bike store but this is not the one where I have to be so it's uh, it's still probably 10 minutes away um, and I always related so much to Luke Skywalker because of that because I, I knew that I was the same my mind was always in the future I was always thinking about the next project that I wanted to do the next goal and I could get so much energy from thinking about the possibilities but as you know, my flaw was that I always lost focus on what I was currently doing, dreaming of the next big thing. And now I know this is very typical for ADHD. Um, but for most of my life, I had no clue that this was just me. <laughs> and so uh, this idea that I was always uh, pursuing the next thing and I was never finishing what I began haunted me for most of my life and uh, and fueled this inner critic that said, you see, it's always the same. Yeah, you have an idea and then you don't follow up on it and you disappoint people, you disappoint yourself, you disappoint God and shame on you. And then I would try to uh, figure out ways to become more effective and have a, you know, start, start another to-do list and introduce a new system to see if I can become more efficient and of course none of that worked because it it was almost like the worst thing I could do uh, because it was another thing that would require my attention and would probably keep it hold it for a number of weeks and then I would eventually always fall off the wagon feeling even more miserable and to overcompensate for that I would start more, more and more projects so now that I finally found the manual of, of Father Roderick, after 55 years, I feel like I finally have the manual and I now finally understand why those lights keep blinking and <laughs> how I actually should handle myself. Um, I know that it is time to um, figure out new, new ways to approach these handicaps because they're definitely handicaps and not just impacting myself but also the people with uh, who I work and live with in the parish and one of the major areas of uh, my new efforts is going to be on on finishing projects before moving on which I said <laughs> before is very hard because people with ADHD tend to get bored very quickly and then they just want to move on to the next thing 
um, not because they don't have discipline, but it's because their brain needs dopamine. And you get dopamine from starting something new. So um, at the same time, I also know that uh, if I force myself to finish things and I turn that into uh, an obligation, uh, it, it, it makes things worse. I think the, the thing that, that seems to work, and I'm just experimenting, of course, is to not take on um, too many obligations. So to really stop myself from overcommitting to things. Something I've, I've known for several years and tried it out, but I now realize how extremely vital this is for, uh, for me functioning creatively. And so the, uh, when it comes to these uh, cleaning jobs, last week I think we, I, I talked about gamification. And so one, one thing I do to make even mundane task, tasks feel more exciting is I pretend I am in a role-playing game in the Middle Ages. I have a castle and I have a garden and I need to keep all that functioning. So um, anything that has to do with cleaning up rooms, decluttering, repairing stuff, all goes to a list that I have on my desktop and on my iPad at all times. So I use this, this um, new functionality that the operating system gives me to create small widgets that are always there on the screen, which for someone with ADHD is quite important because if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. So I have a number of columns on the right-hand side of my screens, and it says castle upkeep, it says main quests, like as if I am a knight who is trying to get to the next level, and then I've got side quests. The main quests are things that are important and urgent, and side quests are things that are maybe just uh, interesting, but not urgent, and maybe not that important. So I put those on side quests if I have time, but there is no pressure whatsoever to follow up on them. Even the, just doing that helps me to sort through um, my commitments. And then the third one is, um, uh, what was it? Oh yeah, scavenging or what is it? Um, hunting, it's basically shopping. <laughs> and I don't know, there was a fourth column and I already forgot. But anyway, so uh, I put all these tasks on the list and then I, I give myself time to spend on, for instance, castle upkeep. Like my house needs to be clean. This is not negotiable. Um, and where am I? Oh, here we are. There's... <laughs> I'm very close. This is actually... I accidentally walked into the right direction. I can park my bike here. I'll wrap things up for the regular listeners and I'll continue with, uh, with my patrons. So I gave myself uh, time this weekend to just focus on castle upkeep. And I continue to clean up. I have this IKEA piece of furniture that needed to be assembled. And I've been putting that off and uh, for good reason because now that I've started it 
it is not fun. It is really a hard thing to assemble. And I don't have the right tool, so that's another thing that goes on my scavenging list. I need better screwdrivers. I've got these like toy screwdrivers that I bought for a couple of bucks years ago. And since I never did anything with them, I don't, didn't notice how bad they were. Now I do. I can barely, screw, you know, just do regular, uh, like assembling IKEA shouldn't be hard, but with these tools it is. So um, that goes on that list. And then I'm also reserving uh, today, Monday, to just record the walk, maybe a short video if I want, but that's a side quest. And then it's just like fixing the bike, uh, getting new screwdrivers and hopefully finishing that IKEA piece of furniture tonight. And that's it. And then for the, for the bathroom, I am going to get containers, which is also uh, only available in store in, in Wageningen, in the town where I am currently. So I'm going to get three of those and I'm going to put all the shampoo and stuff in those boxes so they can be stored neatly. And then everything that doesn't fit in those boxes will be thrown away. But that's how I'm tackling um, my, uh, my tendency to not finish projects. And uh, it, it's basically just allowing yourself to finish things instead of telling yourself, oh, I, but I need to do this and I need to do that. Every time my squirrel, squirrel brain jumps into action, and I'm telling it to just write it down on one of the lists and then we'll get to it. So that actually helps to calm down the squirrels, but it also prevents me from following up on everything immediately so that nothing gets done. Hopefully this was useful to you. If you have any tips, uh, let me know. And after a short break, uh, when I have my bike repaired, I will be back for my patrons for the extra mile, uh, during which I will answer some of their questions that they've been asking me. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon. And if you want to see more of what I do and support me, go to patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Take care. God bless.